0: you would stand for the reading of Christ's word this morning. We are in Matthew 1, if you have your Bibles or your app on your phone, Matthew 1, Gospel of Matthew, we'll begin at verse 18 we will end with verse 23. May you hear the word of Christ this morning. Now the birth of Christ took place in this way. to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call him by the name of Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken to the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Let us pray. Father of mercies and grace, we give thanks on this day in which we can gather as your people and not only gather around your word that has been spoken this morning, but also gather around your incarnate word, Christ himself, in which we gather in some sense around the manger and we are in complete wonder about what you've done. And so prepare our hearts to receive the word that is preached this morning. Prepare our minds to take in what is being spoken from your word. And most importantly, prepare our hands for the service of others, to point others to this Christ who has come. Lord, we ask all of these things in your son's name. Amen. You may be seated. As Sherry and the girls uh, gave just a few minutes ago, I think you could see the theme of hope time and time again. And so I thought I would lay out each of the sermons in the next three weeks around what is being taught up here with the Advent candle. And so with uh, the ladies who presented a few minutes ago of hope, we will continue to look at what hope is for us as the church. And so this morning's title is The Promised Messiah, Hope in a Hoping World. And we've all hoped in one way or, the, or another, haven't we? Advent simply is about, and I've said this earlier, anticipation, preparation, and exaltation of Christ. We anticipate with Israel how they anticipated the coming of this Messiah, this Christ who would come. And in some sense, we prepare our hearts right now as we look back of what this anticipation was all about. But we still prepare our hearts today of what is being done in our lives as God's people. As a people who are betrothed to Christ, we are married to Him by faith. And lastly, we are to be a people who exalt Christ as the wise men came in their journey and wanted to exalt this Messiah who would come. And they gave him gifts. And they came with wonder. Hopefully all of these things stir in our hearts in the next few weeks as we continue to look forward to this Christmas day in which we celebrate Christ's birth. And there's no greater psalm Well, there's plenty of good ones, but there's no greater one that reminds me of this exaltation, this preparation of God's people than Psalm 98, which says Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and blasts of ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. Some of the most notable scriptures for this season come from the prophet Isaiah. If you've been to any church at any time, you've probably heard about two particular chapters of Isaiah as it relates to Christmas time, and it's Isaiah 7 and Isaiah 9. Isaiah 7 says this in verse 14 Therefore the Lord will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Or Isaiah 9, 6 that says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Both of these passages, plus dozens of other, they expect, they long for, they hope for this Messiah figure who will show up and he will establish God's reign on earth as it is in heaven. And so as Isaiah alludes to in these passages, the king will come mysteriously. And he will also come miraculously through a virgin. A woman whose womb has never seen the likes of a child. Or Isaiah also points out that this king will come powerfully yet humbly as well. As a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. But as Sherry and the girls reminded us earlier, it's about hope. Hoping that this King would come. But there's a difference, church, between biblical hope and sometimes how we use hope in everyday language. Everyday language, we might say something like, Well, we are hope we're not getting sick. You feel the sickness starting to come, and you think, I've I've experienced this plenty of times before. I hope I'm not getting sick. Or other times where you say, I hope I'm not going to be late for work. Knowing that you have to be there at a certain time, and you're not quite sure if you're going to make it on time. Or the hope that I saw this past week that your high school football team will win a state championship. Right? Right? We hoped, and we also saw it happen. But these senses of hope that we use in everyday language is close to wishing, isn't it? Uh, well, I, I really wish I don't get sick because I can't stop. I can't. I can't take two days off. Uh, well, I really wish that the football team would win the state championship. That's the type of hope that we tend to think of because. In this type of use of hope, we are talking about the odds might not be in our favor about getting to work on time. Knowing that the traffic is in front of you, the odds might not be in your favor. But also, we realize that we are, in this sense, kind of in control. I'm the one driving. Or at least with the football team, if you're on the field, you're not quite sure you wish to win. You're in control of that. But this isn't biblical hope. Biblical hope, when we look at it, is about trusting the fact that God himself is in control. And it is this God who we put our trust, knowing he has the future perfectly planned out. In biblical hope, we know, of course, that we can't see the future we don't see it with 2020 vision church. We see through a glass dimly. It's cloudy. We we might be certain about certain things, but we can't see the fullness of what the future has. But we can trust with biblical hope that it's set on a sure and certain foundation that God's unalterable, unchangeable, unceasing, uninterrupted promises will come to fruition. They will happen. Knowing that He is who He says He is, and He will do what He said He would do. That's the certain and sure foundation that we have as it relates to biblical hope. And just like He said He would do, He would bring about this royal son through a virgin's womb. And just like He said He would do, He would establish His kingdom on earth through a prince of peace. He promised He would do it, and He did it. Because as we saw in these passages just a few minutes ago, let me reread them, at least three verses relating to Matthew 1. But he considered these things. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. This is Joseph. Saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save the people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken to the prophet. And he goes to Isaiah 7. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Both Isaiah seven fourteen and also 9, verses 6 through 7, are either directly quoted in Matthew or sort of alluded to. They're implicit. They're implied in there. Yahweh promises to bring about a future of redemption, church, and he does it through the humble, simple, profound birth of Jesus of Nazareth. So profound. So, our hope is not found in possessions. It's easy, isn't it, in today's world, to find our hope and our identity in the possessions that we have. Or, our hope also is not found in the riches that we have. In our bank accounts, we're in our pockets, as good as those gifts are. Our hope also isn't found in any statuses that we carry. Think of the statuses that you have, whether that's at work or in just everyday world that people know you as blank. As great as those statuses are, and they remind us of the responsibilities that we carry, we are not equal to our statuses. And lastly... Hope is not found in power, or at least a certain type of power. The irony of the Christmas season is that it pulls at our consumerist hearts. It's so easy in America to be caught up in buy, 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 and buy. As if we can show other people how much we love them through a possession of a thing. It's so easy. I get caught up in it. Our family gets caught up in it and thinking, what have we bought for so-and-so? What has this child asked for? And thinking, man, this is difficult because we know that the season is about giving. But at the same time, it's about an ultimate gift that allows us to show others what giving is all about. As church, as wonderful as thoughtful gifts are, we must remember the season is about the light of Christ himself who comes into this dark world to offer true hope. Our hope ultimately is found in a person who possesses all things in heaven and earth. The one whose riches are discovered in actually losing everything whose status as king and lord surpass all the earth's kings, presidents, and prime ministers. He is above all kings as the king of kings and the prince of princes. And his power is not found in domination, but actually his power looks a whole lot like humble servanthood. This Christmas season, may we remember that no amount of riches and no amount of possessions can give us statuses, Or any sort of honorary power. Our hope is found in a manger. That held once. A Middle Eastern Israelite babe. Who was the promised seed of Abraham. And who was the promised king of David. That is ultimately where our hope lies. This promised one. Who would reunite heaven and earth. In his flesh. And the one who would continue. To bring to a us, sons and daughters of glory through His death and resurrection, our hope is to be satisfied in that, to be trusted in what He is doing in and through His church right now as we anticipate one day that He will return and restore all things, redeem all things back to the Father as they were originally meant to be before fall and sin had corrupted them I was reminded this week of Claire Williams's words in the hymn Satisfied where she writes all my life i had a longing for a drink from some clear spring and that i hoped would quench the burning of the thirst that i felt within hallelujah i have found with whom my soul so long has craved jesus satisfies my longings though through his blood I now am saved. But we don't just remember the child who is the sent one in this Christmas season. We don't just merely remember Him. We also, if we are united with Him in faith, we are given His Spirit so that we can be also united to His mission as sent ones. If He is the sent one, we are sent ones as well as His church. And in fact, many scholars will point out that the Greek word for church in the New Testament is ekklesia. It's two words put together. Some scholars will break it down and say ek, which means out of. And klesia comes from a Greek word, kaleo, which means to call out or to send out. So the church are the ones who are sent out. The ones who are called out to proclaim and herald with their lips and their lives that Jesus as the sent one has come. So we don't just remember this Jesus as the sent one. We are also the sent ones because we're united with him in faith to herald what the angels sing have sung. And as we sing each Christmas season that there is joy to the world because he's come. But I like what Charles Spurgeon once said. Every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. I love that. It's such a powerful quote. Every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. Here's what he is after. We either are ones who live out the redemptive mission of the Messiah, who has come to us in the flesh, or we're just faking it. That you might not know the Jesus that has come. Or you put on a face and act as if He has come. You either are a missionary or an imposter. If Jesus is the sent one into the world to establish the kingdom of life, the kingdom of peace and also justice, and if we are the ones who claim to live under this reign and this rule, then we too are the sent ones. We are missionaries of the promised one to offer And to be hope in our world as he was hope for our world. So, over the next four weeks, church, may we also be missionaries of hope, sent ones who are dispersing and heralding this hope who has come in the person of Christ. May we be a hope filled people who stock up somebody else's empty pantry. May we be a hope-filled people to buy a meal for the family sitting next to us in the restaurant. May we be a hope-filled people who pays for a stranger's electric bill. May we be a hope-filled people who take parents who are struggling this year financially to shop for Christmas presents for their children. And of course, as a hope-filled people who tell our friends and strangers about the one true hope of this world, Christ himself, who is God in the flesh. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for the reminder that we hope about a lot of things, but ultimately deep down it's wishing. So may our hope arise and be founded upon biblical hope, which looks a whole lot like trusting that you are the one who is fully in control and that in reality the odds are not against us, because you are the one who holds the world's odds in his hand. And as we're reminded through the passages of Isaiah 7 and Isaiah 9. That you promised that you would send this king through the virgin's womb. And he would come humbly as a king. And we see this beautifully captured in this birth of, in Bethlehem of this Christ this Jesus of Nazareth. And so, Lord, as we continue to work through this Christmas season, may we remind, be reminded that He is our hope and that we would put that trust in Him as He continues to change our hearts and He prepares our hearts for the day in which He may return before our eyes or in the generations before us and that we can trust And know with certainty that you have that future. You have already shown us in your scriptures of what will happen one day. In which you will return and restore all things back to yourself. And that you will show who holds the scepter. You will show who truly reigns and rules over all things. And so Lord may we submit our lives this week. Realizing with great hope that you have established that kingdom through your son. And we profess that we live under this reign and rule this week. And so we may not just be a people who think about hope and remember hope, but be a people with hope as we show the world around us with our lips and lives that the king has come and he has established his reign and he invites us to be missionaries of that hope. Prepare our hearts, Lord. And prepare our hands and heads as we continue to profess this truth each and every day this week. We offer these things in the name of Christ. Amen.